This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Live. I'm Tal Rabinowitz. I'm the founder of Den Meditation and also your host, S, I suppose. Um, We're so excited, you guys. I'm so happy that I'm not only interviewing one person per usual, but I get to interview four incredible people to talk about what I think is a really important subject, how to be your own guru. And I'm sure part of you, when you were like signing up, you're like, what does that even mean? So let me tell you, simply, it's just how can we in life make our own decisions for ourselves and not necessarily do it because something's expected of us or what's presented to us. So how can you come to your own belief systems on your own? And look, this is not just like, let's rage against the machine, how to break the norms, because sometimes the norm is exactly what you need. So we're not saying that. It's just how do you figure out what you do need? And I feel like we've all been there either ourselves or we have a friend or a family member who's had some sort of midlife crisis where all of a sudden it's a huge career shift or crazy breakup because they actually don't know what's happening, but they just feel like they're not themselves. So this conversation is all about how can we figure out, maybe how can we mitigate some of that drama? How can you learn who you are so maybe you can start making those decisions without getting that point? Or maybe this discussion will actually teach us you have to make all those mistakes in order to get to the point. I don't know. It's why I'm actually excited to talk to all of these people right here who come from such diverse backgrounds, but all have such a specific angle on it. So I'll quickly introduce everyone. This is Chandrish Bardwaj, who is a senior teacher here at Den Meditation. He actually wrote an entire book about this called Break the Norms. It's outside. By the way, there's a book signing afterwards. They all have incredible books. And Break the Norms really is all about questioning every belief system you have to make sure it actually resonates with yourself. And he, of anyone, knows what it's like to be on your path, but then needing to take a left turn to kind of get back there. He comes from a, yeah, he comes from a long lineage of gurus in India. And then yet he found himself for three years on Wall Street. So that's fascinating in and of itself. But he obviously rejoined the family business. Right. <laughs> and now he's back, but he had to figure out how to do it his own way. And then we have Cassandra Bodzak, who is a holistic health coach and spiritual teacher as well. And what I love is you come from a world, you know, in health and nutrition where you almost have to follow philosophy. That's like almost the rule. Like, what do you eat? Are you keto? Are sugar the devil? Like, what? It, but your whole point, which is why I wanted to have you here, is you don't subscribe to that at all. She has a great book that's Eat with Intention, also outside, and it's stunningly gorgeous which is all about how to actually listen to your body because it constantly changes. So what you might need to eat one week might be very different to another, and it's not about subscribing to a specific philosophy. And she also lives that in her life, which I love, because even though you've studied multiple lineages, you don't necessarily teach from one. You actually live your life very much listening to yourself. And then we have Jordan Taylor Wright. I'm laughing because I always say I want to say Jonathan Taylor Thomas every time I talk about him. (laughs) But Jordan Taylor Wright. Jungle to jungle. Yeah, who's obviously very creative and an amazing producer, director. He's traveled the world with the likes of Usher and J-Lo and Bieber and the Chainsmokers. He has an incredible career, but what is amazing about it is he's always been himself, which is why I think his career launched so early. And he sticks to this unbelievable his spiritual North Star, no matter what is going on in his life. And anyone who follows him on Instagram, and I'm sure some people here do because he's 
crazy popular, you know very much that he knows what his art is, he knows where it comes from, and he never wavers on it. He actually has, I don't want to mess up your title, so I'm looking down, also a gorgeous book. It is poetic, it is informative, and it also has beautiful art in it, which is called Forever in the Infinite, which will be out there as well. And he also has a movie coming out, The Discovery of the Divine Consciousness. And then last but not least, Muhammad al-Samawi, who... I mean, this one might take a while, but who's a refugee and also an author himself who comes from Yemen. He grew up questioning, he grew up actually a devout Muslim, but then when he started to just question his religion, unfortunately, somewhere like that, that's pretty dangerous. And he had severe life threats that not only were for him, but for his family. So in order to save his family, he decided to move south in Yemen. Unfortunately, his timing could not be worse. A day later, the civil war broke out, which unfortunately most of you know is still going on to this day. And he found himself locked in a bathroom with no food, no money, no help, buildings crumbling around him. He could not walk out on the streets. He would literally be captured or killed. And he actually thought about killing himself because that would be a lot easier than getting captured by Al-Qaeda and getting tortured. So where the story gets really even more amazing is he sent out an SOS to Facebook and a few people actually answered it, basic strangers, people he barely knew, and they weirdly created this network and a team and without, none of them were diplomats, none of them were connected to the government, nobody knew what the hell they were doing, but somehow because humanity is awesome, they got him out and that's why he is here today. And what I love about the story, first of all, his book is called The Fox Hunt, which is this entire story. And it's so dramatic also outside. And it is also being turned into a movie because I couldn't like, it sounds like you're making this shit up, but you're not. Um, but what I love about his perspective that he brings is this is a guy, the story could have ended when the life threats happened. That's when he could have said, uh, this might be my life passion to like, do this, but I'm not going to because it's too difficult. And it would have stopped there. And he would still be in Yemen right now where there's no food, no electricity, and they're stuck in a civil war. But because he kept going, what actually ended up helping him, his actual search for interfaith love, that's what saved him. The four main people that saved him out of those four, three were Jews and one was a Christian and one lived in Israel and the three other three lived in the U.S. And those are all things he was taught to hate growing up. So it just really shows you that when you kind of follow what you're supposed to do, the world and the universe will take care of you. It might not be right away, but you got to keep going because then the story does unfold. So I'm so happy to be here because they all have amazing things. They're, all their stories are so incredible individually, and we won't have time to dig in every single one. They all have podcasts with us. Some have already released. Some will be releasing. And also, we have a Q&A for that reason. So think about what questions you have that you want to dive into. Feel free to ask all those questions at the end. And that's why we're also doing a wine and cheese and a book signing, so you have time to really talk with everyone. So let's jump in and get to it. I want to start with one question for everybody. And it's, do you remember where you were in your life when you started questioning any constructs that were around you? And then when you felt you actually might have started putting any of those questions into practice? And Chandrish, we'll start with you. I think, uh, you know, growing up in, in India among the spiritual teachers, I was enjoying my spiritual journey. I would travel to monasteries, temples, uh, instead of questioning for a long time, I was just having fun with it. I think the first day I questioned spirituality, the whole idea of God, relationships, and divinity, when I lost my sister. Uh, and I, you know, she was sick for a while, for a long time. But I was the least worried because I thought nothing can happen to her. You know, she was 19, I was 16. And I thought we are such a spiritual family. We are a family of healers. Why would anything, you know, will happen to her? And when, you know, she passed away, 
uh, I was in denial, in anger. I was, I started questioning everything. And when the anger calmed down, when the disappointment uh, calmed down, that's when I started to feel that I think my entire existence needs to be revisited now. Everything that I had known about God, about healing, about divinity, now it needs a reshift. And it took a long time, you know, it took a long time because I had to really break all the belief patterns. I had to really revisit all the relationships in my life and most importantly, my relationship with who I am and what I, you know, share with divinity. Uh, but I feel, you know, she left, but she ended up giving me uh, a, a whole new path. A few years later, my best friend passed away. And in between, this was a five-year gap. And I thought, okay, you know, now she made me enough, strong enough. I think I figured out the death and birth and divinity. But when my best friend passed away, we grew up together from first grade. And I was in New York at that time. And I stopped going to my classes. I stopped, you know, going to work. And that's when I thought, okay, this is not going to be just a two-year job. This is a daily job that I need to do. Constantly question, constantly meditate on my existence, constantly understand the whole drama of, you know, birth and death. But I think after after he passed away, uh, I really it really became a way of knowing for me by questioning everything. Uh, and I have a very open-minded guru who encourages me to question everything. I mean, none of his teachings are imposed on me. Uh, he shares something, he shows me the route, and then he tells me, okay, now question it and figure it out on your own. So that was my first uh, episode encounter with questioning. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Um, I think I've had two, depending on what I was questioning. So the first time when I really questioned like nutrition and medical knowledge and all of that happened when I was in college and I ended up getting really, really sick um, with what I discovered to be was food allergies and food sensitivities. But at the time, all I knew was just that um, I was having these horrendous pains all through my torso that would prevent me from being able to walk, um, prevent me from being able to go to a lot of my classes. And I went and got every test that my doctor could think of to give me. Um, and they couldn't find anything. And at the end of like, he was like, there's nothing else I can do for you. You're fine. You're healthy. Um, and I took it to the library because I was old school back in the day. <laughs> And uh, that's really when I became my own self-exploration. I really felt like I was at the end of the rope and I couldn't trust the institutions around me to take care of me or to show me the way or to tell me what to do. And I had to, I had to figure that out on, myself, on my own and I had to be my own detective. And then going through that process and, and discovering what I discovered and, you know, kind of healing myself, healing myself through figuring it out and, and doing the things I needed to do um, made me second guess anything I read in a textbook or anything that, I, you know, a doctor told me or anything I saw in Dr. Oz or any of those programs um, and really just rely on myself for that. And then spiritually, um, similar uh, when my little brother got diagnosed um, with um, a terminal autoimmune disease, and it was rapidly um, eating away at some of his organs. I really questioned God and I questioned uh, the religion I grew up with and I just questioned the universe <laughs> and really getting to that rock bottom. And it was, you know, I remember being in like the 
the bottom of my shower at the time and being like, God, I don't know if you're up there. I don't know who I'm supposed to be talking to right now, but I need some help because <laughs> um, I don't know what to do. And I similarly kind of set off on my own quest and I tried a bunch of different lineages and I explored different spiritual practices and read a lot of books and went to a lot of lectures. And then through that really just, again, was in that space of honoring what felt good to me and what made sense to me on a, a soul level. Soul level. <laughs> like soul levels. Elevator should go to soul levels. That'd be fun. Um, I think it's been my whole life. Every every experience in your life is like a mirror reflection of where you're at. And I think I was cognitive of it. Um, at a young age, as a child, I would, my parents are South African, so in my home, I would have like photos of Nelson Mandela and African animals. And I grew up in suburban New Jersey, so there's not many um, Nelson Mandelas or giraffes around. I grew up so, in like the same town. It's so crazy. Yeah. So I, at a young age, I realized that, uh, yeah, people of different skin colors and ethnicities aren't different than who you are so i i that kind of resonated and tapped into me and then i was really into disney films and animated films so watching a, a lion and a fish that can sing and i was like oh the animals aren't different than we are so I, and my my grandma grew up uh, on a farm so she was vegetarian my whole life so i i think at a young age i was you know and finding Nemo Fisher friends, not food, like that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, animals are, they feel the way we feel. So um, I think those are all the like self-reflection moments that you, that you have that like, oh, we're all an extension of light. And I think when you go into school and these different forms of programming and things of that nature, you start to see yourself different from other. And um, thankfully at a, at a young age, I just, I cared more about creativity than I did about um, those, those external factors. So that all helped. And then in terms of like to attributing it to spirituality, uh, my mom's Jewish. I was raised in a Jewish home and then my dad is catholic and they separated at 10 that was a solid recipe for like a, a good relationship and then they separated at 10 um and my mom wanted me to continue to be jewish and my dad wanted me to be catholic and i'm like i'm atheist and then i <laughs> i uh yeah i i went i went my own way you like fleetwood mac you can go in your own way started to play as i like went on my journey and then i realized um at the heart of it all is this wantingness to just be and whatever you know just let it be it's like all right there's beautiful notions of that but what is it unless you know how to like feel it truly um it can it can be just this like metaphor this like caption you put on an instagram photo but i was able to have a lot of traveling experiences and the first time i went to india um to understand who gandhi is what he stood for what mindfulness was and then to just tap into something of like okay I was also very fortunate that I've traveled the world with uh, people and in situations that a lot of people strive for. They want to have millions of dollars and followers and all of this stuff. And I got to be around these individuals that had all of that. And I got to see that they weren't happy. And I'm like, oh, so if money's not going to make you happy and followers aren't going to make you happy and being in the most lavish uh, hotel, you know, in the world isn't going to make you happy, then, then what is? And I got to 
tune into is like, okay, I, I, I want to learn how to be in traffic and be equally as peaceful as if I'm sitting on this carpet or whatever it may be. And then that kind of sparked the journey of like, and I, I just knew how to feel that through, through art. So yeah, I guess there might be another question, so I'll leave it there. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I think it came in three levels in some way. Uh, the first thing, you know, when I was born, I discovered that I have a disability in the right side of my body, like my hand and my leg. And that's the first thing I questioned my God. I said, like, why me? Why did you choose me to have such a disability? Um, and then when I was in school, I think when I was in the eighth grade or ninth grade, a teacher said, teach us that men can marry four, but women can marry only one. And then I asked him, and I was actually the most like smart student, maybe you can say, because I was never asked the like teachers any questions. But when he started speaking about that, I asked him why, why men can marry four, why women can marry only one. And then he told me, Muhammad, there's things that God wants us to just believe about it, and we will know later on why. You don't need to question that. And then he started asking another question. He started speaking about women need to cover her body, where men can wear anything, but women need to cover everything. And he started speaking that women's like an apple, like a red apple, which is when you see the red apple, the red apple is really nice. But when you start biting the red apple, the bacteria, which was the wrong information, but that's what he told me. He told me the bacteria goes to the, to the apple and the apple became, instead of being white, became brown. And that's what happened to the woman. If she covered her body, there will be no bacteria uh, be like with the, with the woman or nobody will harm her. But if she starts showing her body, then everyone will harm her. And I wish, you know, if I told him that time that he shouldn't blame the woman, he should blame himself for being the bacteria. <laughs> um, but at that moment, you know, I started questioning everything that, you know, I was, I was learning. And then when I was 23 years old, I met a Christian teacher in Yemen. And I wanted to convert him to be a Muslim. I want him to be in the same religion like mine. But he gave me the Bible. And I taught in school that Bible is a holy book, but there is a lot of phrases that it is not holy. And it's actually encourage you to be kind of like a bad person. So I was searching for that. But the more that I was reading from the Bible, the more I thought that we are similar. So, and that's why I started questioning everything. And when you were actually giving him, when you wanted to turn him to, to be a Muslim, it was because you really liked him so much and you were nervous that his fate wouldn't be great because only you guys go heaven right i just always think that's such a beautiful notion that you're actually really doing it out of kindness and love but then you learn so much um Shandresh, talk about a little bit how you ended up exactly where you kind of were what your family is i mean your own version what were you avoiding like what why couldn't you just go along the path in the easiest sense like why couldn't why did you have to make the left turn uh you know i think so in india you have to choose your major when you are in high school and there were only four options, medical, engineering, arts, and business. I didn't like any three of them, so I chose business. That means I'll just do this. Then I moved to New York, and everyone was you know, choosing uh, similar subjects, so I blindly, mindlessly chose that. Uh, I was fascinated with spirituality, but I never, ever thought, I'm going to teach spirituality. I'm going to become a teacher. Um, 
it was during it was in the new york that i started discovering that uh, this is who i am this is what i need to do and i was uh, 18 or 19 around that time i also started seeing one interesting thing that as i was getting involved uh, with my father's spiritual center with my father's work i was getting uh, instant appreciation or instant criticism i didn't enjoy both because i i clearly didn't earn both it was simply the appreciation was coming to me because i am son of a guru and they loved him and the criticism was coming because they said oh you're not as good as your father and i was not even given a chance to prove it um, so i realized at that time uh, after my unhappiness became really strong at wall street i knew i have to leave this place this is not my jungle and i had a clear option of joining you know my father's uh, tribe and really become the next guru in the you know in the community uh, i did not enjoy that moment at all there's a different you know different juice there's a different fun that you experience you know when you dig it on your own when you taste it through your own you know hustle and my father knows me very well and he never ever forced me that you got to sit here you got to just do what i do because he also didn't follow that path my grandpa was extremely different than what my father is and my father practiced a very different version of spirituality than my grandpa and he clearly must have seen that this is you know what i want to do and uh, he never said anything he said okay whatever you want to do do it with complete awareness don't be here half heartedly when you're doing it put your heart and soul into it and never forget why you started this why you left wall street and why you want to do this now so remember the reasons of why you are doing all of this um, and i think that's uh, the the hunger that pretty much was the reason behind and why i was not able to leave uh, the wall street too early and why it took me so long uh, that's simply because i didn't have enough courage to live my truth i was really in that whole rat race everyone around me was just beating this drum about uh, being in the known chase the safety and security of uh, of american dream which i'm still trying to figure out what exactly is american dream uh, but at that time i was simply running like everybody else and i there were two things that changed everything one was the gratitude for my own gifts the gratitude uh, for the gift of you know offering compassion the gratitude for spiritual gifts for listening for you know channeling the healing and all those amazing things i was learning from my teachers and secondly cultivating my courage the courage to just live my truth and i clearly always felt i don't fit in 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 india i felt i don't fit in in new york i felt i'm a misfit and when i accepted that i don't fit in that's when i really started fitting in to every box or you know whatever was out there yeah it's so interesting your dad said do everything with full spirit and full heart and be there presently do you guys all feel like when you do do that you get a, a sense if you're supposed to be there or not absolutely i feel that uh, because i think especially now we are never in the present moment like i could be here and i could be thinking about the next picture i'm going to post at 7 pm uh, i could be thinking of the perfect hashtag for this event we are all over the place you know so we are never we never love fully we never live fully we don't even express our anger fully you know when we are expressing our anger we hold back so much and that's why that anger keeps showing up so the 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 key i learned was whatever i do doesn't have to be just the fancy spiritual things even my dark parts i got to express it out you know fully 
would love to hear others you know i think if you're fully present and you're fully full spirited whatever you want to call it that's when you know instantaneously if something is right or not for you it won't always mean that it's the right thing but if you show up for it fully and present then you know relatively instantaneously i think that it's not yeah i mean i don't think there's such thing as right and wrong i just when you're present you're just aware of how what what the alignment is so like even if you're in a circumstance that feels like it's you know i've been in rooms where i'm like oh this person doesn't vibe that that's you know i can tell that where they're coming from isn't uh genuine or maybe they're coming from a, a place of wanting or gaining or whatever it may be but doesn't mean that that's not a, the exact mirror reflection you're supposed to be looking at at that moment so just realize that they're coming from their own perception and it has nothing to do with you and I, a quote i love is i stopped taking things personally the moment i realized the way people speak to you or the way they speak to themselves so i allow it to be what it can be but then yeah the more you're just present and in tune and then you're actively going to start manifesting what where you're currently at um we're all just uh a certain frequency and the analogy I, I love too is like watching um, a movie in a movie theater and this is our screen and you believe what's happening so much in the movie that you become enthralled in it and you live that but how often do we stop to realize that the source is a projector in the back of the theater so if we're holding the space of happiness we're going to see happiness and we're going to align ourselves with happiness and we're going to attract happiness and if we're telling a sad story which is something that either happened in the past and you're running a cycle and a loop on that or worrying about the future then that's what you're going to see but you just get to be in tune with that and notice be like oh i'm telling the same story or i'm i'm judging this person because of a past experience or i'm thinking of something that may happen in the future as opposed to just but once you're present all of a sudden then that situation that could have been negative all of a sudden becomes they say something and they go oh well then my uncle who lives you whoa wait your uncle lives there i grew up there and then and then all of a sudden you're like oh now this is what i was you know you just you get to tune you just tune into that because every you we're manifesting where we're currently at but yeah i stopped seeing wrong and wrong and right a long time ago just because That's a good piece yeah. of advice for sure yeah i mean for me i definitely believe about that because I mean, if you know my story, um, I was like trying to escape from Al-Qaeda in Yemen and I was hiding in a small bathroom. So I thought that they will kill me, but I used Facebook and I asked people on Facebook if they can help me out to escape from Al-Qaeda. And I thought the people who responded to me, there will be people from Yemen or people who knows me and then they will come to help me out. But apparently it was four Americans that I barely know who lived in different places and they don't know even each other. But they believed on me and I believed on them because they said to me, we want to help you out. And I didn't have any choice. And the first thing I remember when they, I gathered to like, they basically, they didn't know each other very well. So I gathered everyone on them on a group on Facebook and I tell them, okay, now you need to work as a team to help me out escape. Uh, the first thing they asked me, they said, where do you live? And I said, I live in that street in Aden. And they told me, yeah, what's the building number? And I, as soon as they told me that, it's like, oh, God, they didn't know anything about military or even about the history of Yemen. Because in Yemen, we don't have numbers for buildings. We only have buildings. So if someone wants to come to my home, I will tell him I am the second house 
near the supermarket from the right side, like something like that, so they can know my house. And at that moment, I realized that they probably not the best people who has expertise in evacuation. Actually, one of them, they were, he was doing stand-up comedy shows. Um, but because they believed on me and because I believed on him and them, I had no choice. And I said to them, whatever you will tell me about it, I will do it. You know, when sometimes when you play a PlayStation game or a computer game, I was kind of like the character of the game and they would tell me to turn right, to turn left. They literally, I was hiding in the bathroom and they told me, hey, Mohammed, do you know how to use Google Map? I said, what's that? And they start teaching me how to use Google Map in the middle of the war. And in the end, they were able to help me out in 13 days. So that's why I believe that if you really believe in something, um, you, will, you will do it. What for all of you guys is something in your life that could be perceived as negative or was like a weight at one time that you transformed and it's very much who you are now or it's very been become very much of what your purpose is? So there's a rigid spiritual, uh, religious uh, philosophy in certain parts of India where they say we have five evils. I'll say the Sanskrit names first and I'll translate. It says Kam, Krodh, Lobh, Moh, Ahankar are our human evils, which is uh, the desires, the anger, the greed, the attachment. Uh, yeah, all uh, these four things. And I thought I was struggling with these three because everyone around me would tell me this is evil. So every time you are attacked with desires, anger, greed, attachments, that means you're not moving in the right direction. Uh, but they all ended up becoming my biggest strength. Uh, and that's also part of my lineage. Tantra teaches us to transform our suppression into a very powerful transformation. So even right now, I do have greed, attachment, anger, desires, but they are channeling to a different outlet. And I don't want to be separate you know, from them. Uh, I want to live with these desires, greed, anger, and everything. Can you explain that a little bit more when you say you're channeling them now to a different outlet? So uh, one example is uh, everybody, you know, asked me, was Break the Norms created out of uh, compassion for humanity or was it created out of love for divinity? But the truth is it was created because I was very angry with everything happening around me. You know, the so-called self-proclaimed spiritual gurus spreading just wrong and false stuff about spirituality, a human being not able to bloom and, you know, experience their highest potential. And there were many things, uh, like Muhammad said about women, how the masculine, feminine energy, you know, clash with each other, how masculine is not able or willing to accept the power of feminine. All these things were bothering me, making me angry in a very powerful way. And I didn't even realize when I started pinning down the notes uh, in my diary, you know, I, this started when I was in eighth grade. So I started writing down all, all these angry points in my diary. And my father uh, read the diary one day and he said, if you follow things in this diary, you'll never make any friend because you're so angry with everybody. And uh, I said, that's, that's okay, I guess, you know, because when you're a teenager, you feel you know what you're doing and your anger is your superpower. And he said, I'm not telling you to let go of this anger. I'm telling you to channel it into a different way. But it took me another 10 years or so, I think, to really understand what channeling means. So Break the Norms, the book was an outcome of my anger. And when you read the book, maybe you'll not experience or feel any anger in it because uh, 
I added lot, lots of jokes, my own personal experiences. It was a very emotional book you know, for me to write. And I realized anger was gone you know, while I was writing it because I realized, you know, Gandhi wasn't angry when he was going through his you know, journey. Dalai Lama is not an angry person. He could be the most angry person because he's kicked out of his own country, but he has so much compassion. So there's a way to channel that anger. You just got to find a higher purpose, something that's too big than you, something bigger than our ego, something bigger than our tiny purpose in the mind, so something larger than life purpose, kind of purpose. Yeah. What is it for you, Cassandra? Um, I think definitely my relationship to my body has been uh, my biggest teacher and was one of the greatest sources of pain in my life. Um, since I was five, I remember wishing I was smaller thinking that I was there was something like just wrong with me um, for not being a tinier human and um, trying everything from a really, really early age um, to try to make myself smaller physically and just hating my body on such a deep level to the like to the point of like being in third grade and like crying looking at myself naked. Um, just wanting to not be in my body. And it was something that, you know, I, I carried with me for years, um, very intensely. And until it hit my, it hit its peak when I was in college and I finally was forced to transform it because I felt like if I didn't, I would die. And, um, and then I think it's just been one of the most beautiful, like I think it was, it was my first like spiritual awakening happened around my body because that's when I really first, like I said, became my own detective and had to kind of decide that I wanted to nourish it and I wanted to heal it and I wanted to be its friend and its partner more than I wanted it to be a size zero. Um, and that's been, I think uh, for anybody who's read Eat With Intention, that's a lot of the story and eat with intention and how I formulated those tools that I talk about and eat with intention because for me those were like the real practical things that really helped me um, and I think it's been such a gift with a lot of my work because there is a part of me that I feel you know I, I do I done I've done all of that and I've done a lot of work on myself but there is that, that like mean voice in my head still sometimes. And I think it keeps me on my toes with my work. And it keeps me being able to really relate and speak to the people that I I work with and that I teach because I get it and I know what it's like. So um, yeah, so I'm really grateful for it. And I have my whole career to thank for it. Sorry to interrupt. I want to talk about our next Dentox Live. We are so unbelievably lucky. We have Sean Korn. She was one of the first internationally celebrated yoga teachers. You know how we know everybody on IG now? She was literally one of the first that everyone started talking about. And she is just known for activism. She actually started off the mat and into the world. And since 2007 has taught so many leaders of activism to bridge the gap of injustice around the world. She's incredible. She sells out wherever she goes. So this interview is going to be great. It's January 24th. That's a Thursday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget what comes with that. I promise it'll be an in-depth conversation. Also a Q&A for you guys to have your own chance to talk to her and a personal practice. And don't forget, when she practices, she sells out. So this is a really unique opportunity. And per usual, we'll have some wine and cheese, snacks and drinks afterwards so we can all mingle and just like hang out. This is incredible. I can't express how lucky we are to have her. I hope to see you there. We all give weight 
in different in different ways um i mean my my parents separated when i was young and that was really bitter so like i could have allowed that to be you know why don't they love why don't they love me but it has nothing to do with me but i think um through my artistic expression it's it's just the way of like this is how i'm perceiving the world right now so let me let me share it and i think that removes all weight regardless of whatever it may be and that sounds vague but it could be writing and like at the you know in the morning writing at night writing so that way it's not stuck in your head and then um yeah being bullied or but that that's where my that's where my visuals come from that's where they they come from what emotion am i feeling right now and we aren't our emotions emotions come from like thought patterns and so if i'm feeling sad it's like okay why am i feeling sad and how do i how do i show that how do i show that in a way that can other people can can see it as well so if it's like my parents fighting it could be like two shadow puppets like arguing and then like a kid who feels small and wanting to like release that and be like okay does this resonate with someone else or does this remind me of a song or um but yeah this like be allowing yourself to feel the fullest ability of what that is is the healthiest way for it not to have weight so if you're feeling anger realize like anger is just like a, a sis, like a brother or sister to <laughs> sadness and be like why 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 anger like what am what what do i have to be angry for i can you know, I have air right now, I can breathe. So what is it? And then just like, once you address it and label it, you can then uh, express it and you can express it verbally, you can sing it, you can dance it, you can photo, you can video, whatever. But I think we're, we are all just expression. We're just witnessing the self being expressed. And that's why I love art because you get to just open up a little window into people's directly to the soul and be like this is how you see the world this is how you feel the world and thank you and I, I i felt that too some at some point but then you know what we thought five minutes ago is and what we're gonna think five minutes from now so it's just not putting that weight on it don't don't dwell on the past because it's not there don't dwell on the future because it hasn't happened yet and don't cling to the present because it's about to disappear so it's learning how to just <laughs> just learn how to be in that yeah that that space and um i i would i would put a lot of weight into everything every and when you especially when you're trying to like find meaning in the universe you can put weight into every each conversation be like, but why did they say that and they look to be that way and why did they but then you're you're running a maze in your own head so i think i've um found a way how to cathartically release all all weight whether it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna stretch and not allow this to be in my body or i'm gonna sing about it or i'm gonna like write about it or i'm gonna take a photo of this and then yeah and then that releases all of it but we're we're all very unique stories and just keep sharing your story any way you possibly can because that's that's really all we are and then the more we can just share our stories and you know it lights something up in someone else and they go okay we're not we're not different yeah that's great because we all benefit from your creations so that's actually a really great point Thanks. yeah um for me i think it's because of my disability it was kind of like the most moment that i felt like i couldn't play soccer which i love a lot and i couldn't ride a bicycle um other friends or colleague or who studied with me in the school 
they were making fun of me, how I walk or how my hand hanging sometimes or something like that. But when I look to it right now, I'm very grateful that God gave me such disabilities. Because of my disability, I learned how to speak English. Because I wanted to show other kids that even if I have a disability, I can do things they can do. So English is one was one of these things. And then because of English, I started loving movies. And uh, movies kind of like the way I was kind of practicing my English and music. And after that, because of the English, I met Luke, the teacher who gave me the Christian Bible. And because he gave me the Bible, I started questioning everything that I learned in school. And I was able to be in touch with people on Facebook. And I asked them, why do we hate each other? And because of that, I started being an activist. And because of that, there is four people who helped me out to escape from Yemen. So all it came is because of my disability. Sometimes you don't really see when hard things happen to your life that is actually blessing. And that's what's happened really with me. Uh, I'm really thankful to God every day that he created me like in this image with this, such disability because that's why I'm here with you today. So sweet, I know. Um, so actually, specifically to Muhammad and Chandraish, how can one even get permission to question, let's say, their religion or spirituality, but especially religion? How would you give the advice to someone that have permission to themselves to question? I mean, uh, for me, I took it from the Quran, which is the Holy Book of Muslims. It says, we create you from different cultures and different tribes so you can communicate with each other. Uh, and the first thing that I felt to me is that why we always put a middleman between us and God. Like, for example, if God gave us the Quran or the Bible or the Torah, we can read it by ourselves and we can understand, you know, what God wants from us and we know exactly what's the right, what's the wrong thing. For me, um, when I start questioning everything that uh, I was studying in school, I know for sure that I was doing the right thing because my religion encouraged me to do that in some way. So that was like for me, like you know, the reason that I started questioning, even though that you know people was against me, and you said that you're doing something against the religion or against what we learned in school. But for me, I thought like, God give me a mind so I can think. If He doesn't want me to think and He just want me to follow, He will not give me a mind. That's an amazing statement, and if we all would act, no, but it really is, and it's so simple. And it's almost as if we would all just remind ourselves that it gives us permission to do a lot of things, actually. Thank you, Mohammed. I think that was very beautiful. Um, I think for me, uh, the permission happened when I started uh, improving my relationship with my awareness. And we could, you know, we address awareness as soul, energy, intuitive voice. And I started to observe it very closely that if a certain teaching, if a certain lesson is making me, is uh, is bringing me liberation, bringing me joy, bliss, strength, and courage, then I'm moving in the right direction. If it's bring, if it's shrinking my awareness, if it's bringing me fear, if it's making me depend, uh, blindly depend on a certain dogma, I have to stay away from it. Even if the teaching is very powerful, even if it's accepted by millions of people, if it's not aligning with my blooming, if it's not adding any strength in my own being, I have to make a distance from it. I have to not blindly reject it, but I have to do my research, my hustle through it. Because I feel believers and non-believers, they sit on the same boat, 
believer is saying i see i don't have to see it it's tradition of the world my family and i'm going to just believe it and the non believer says i'm not seeing anything so i'm just going to reject it but they both are not doing any work to find if it actually exists or not so what started working for me was that i don't want to believe or disbelieve it i want to really experience and see within and what that meant was i may ended up uh, you know i may end up having just one teaching for 10 years or one teaching for 5 years but i wanted to live it breathe it and fully rejoice it and then move on to the next one does it make sense it does to me you guys makes no sense <laughs> So I mean here's a question to all of you and whoever's comfortable answering it. I'm always really curious about the identity crisis of it all. So I feel like a lot of times when you start questioning things or searching or finding new things, you start changing, which is okay, we all change, but then your life around you has to sometimes change too. And that can be really difficult. It can sometimes I mean it can be as simple like nutrition, if also you're really trying a new diet or if let's say you want to become vegan or or you're not going to be vegan anymore and eat meat but your whole social life revolved around dinners with certain people that can really actually shake someone up and prevent them or whether it be a religious thing i do find sometimes when you actually start committing to yourself to live your truth and making changes there is an identity crisis that can possibly happen is there any advice or does anyone want to talk about theirs because sometimes people fall away and that might i think the easy thing to say is like who cares people fall away they shouldn't be in your life but that's really fucking hard when that's the life you love and that's the life you've had and sometimes you want those people to stay what is the advice to navigate learning to live your truth and what that means for what's happening around you yeah the only constant in the universe is change so it's learning to be comfortable within the uncomfortability and um a caterpillar isn't upset when it becomes a butterfly and it's like oh, who am i now i can fly oh, that's so pretty i can yeah it's well we're all beautiful we're all perfect exactly as we are right now and the only notion of identity crisis that happens is that when you're holding on to your notion of self which has really been given to you by society you're not a female i'm not a male i'm not white he's not indian we're all we're beings we're all being and i think the more you can learn to let go of the the notion of yourself of being masculine feminine and age gender ethnicity we're we're just the expression of um divinity and we get to witness it and you get to be comfortable with that and as you continually shift and change i think the beauty is that everything changes with you so the friends you may have had you get to they get to become a different chapter in a book that is going on for eternity and it can be very scary and uncomfortable and you can feel like you don't have your feet on solid ground but then you get to realize it's like floating down a river and i as soon as i realize that with love is my intention then i'm going to float peacefully to where um i'm supposed to be going and yeah when you have outside sources especially with like social media and stuff being like we liked you better like this or <laughs> you know you're getting less likes now or we're we're not hanging out with you or whatever it may be you can yeah that can start to like you know arrows coming straight at your heart and you're like but but wait i just want to i want to feel love but you receiving love in an external form regardless is never going to fully fully fill you up so learning how to be like i am perfect exactly as i am right now and then i can move 
forward in that direction. And then, um, yeah, just being at peace with that. And yeah. a lot of trust, it sounds like. That's amazing. Yeah. Trust in what feels like love to you because the greatest gift you could ever give someone is your own happiness. So just continue to find your happiness. Yeah. I think um, one, just knowing that it's completely normal to be in pain um, when you're in that kind of process, because it's a shedding process, I think, of really um, getting to know your truth and honoring it. And one of the things that just personally has worked for me in that discovery process is keeping things sacred while they're still blossoming for me, while I'm still in the experimentation phase, while I'm still trying on this new way of being while I'm still exploring whether it's however I'm eating. I I kind of think of it as like a little precious little seedling that's like not strong enough to stand on its own quite yet. And so allowing me to get really connected to it and really strong in it so that I'm not presenting it to the outside world until I feel really steady in it. Um, has been really helpful in that process to allow it to be private and to allow it to be sacred while you're still figuring it out and to kind of keep it safe from um, the peanut gallery, so to speak. Um, And then one of the other things that me and my girlfriends uh, constantly remind ourselves of is that um, too often we we trade um, being, being loved by our true people for being liked by everyone. And um, I think the the short-term kind of hit is you want everyone to like you and you want to be agreeable and you want it to just be nice, nice. But the long-term happiness and fulfillment comes from honoring your truth, whatever that may be. And that will ultimately lead you to the people and the places that are meant for you. And what is... Go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, no, I mean, just like there is, there is a book that I really like. It's called "The Art uh, to Give to Take," um, which means like it's amazing what you speak about. Because when you start doing things, you might lose your friends, you might lose your family, and that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, I traveled one day to Bosnia, Sarajevo, to meet a Jew in my life, and I went back to to Yemen, and I didn't only meet Jews, but I also met gays, which is. You can't like you can't speak to gays in Yemen. You you can't actually be a gay in Yemen. They will kill you to be gay. And when I was in Bosnia, I met gays and they were so nice, so amazing. And I know that you know what I thought about gays is not true at all. So I went back to my country and I started telling my friends and my family about what I saw in Bosnia. I lost my friends. My friends they don't want to speak with me anymore. They thought that I'm crazy. My family they actually they told me that if you will do that, you will bring harm to us. Um, it, actually, one of my best friends, his name Ahmed, he, he told me, Mohammed, I'm sorry, but you know, I will not speak with you anymore because you put me in danger just to be with, near you. Um, and that's the art of that to take to give because he recently, he reached me on Facebook uh, when I came here to the United States and he said, Mohammed, I just want to let you know that what you were doing in Yemen is the right thing. And I'm so proud of you. Mm. And that's just be honest with yourself. I think even if you lose some people around you, in the end, they will come to you. And what does truth, you know, we all keep saying truth, 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 and it's like so easy to speak like that. But what does that mean for you guys? And how can you actually translate that to someone who's like, what does this mean? I'm just searching, I'm spinning, I'm spinning. Like, what can people do to actually start 
understanding what it feels like to actually be where they're supposed to be. And I know what you're going to say. You're always where you're supposed to be, which I agree with. Kind of. But which I, I agree with, but I'm saying in general. I, like, <laughs> I, I, no, but I, I read when I was like studying Zen and Tao and there was a beautiful uh, excerpt on truth where it is when you when you close your eyes to sleep at night, it's truth that's resting its eyes. When you open your mouth to speak, it is truth that's speaking. Truth passes through you. So I, I think what I was going to comment is, yeah, it's not, you're not searching for truth. You are truth. And then we can layer on top of it and we can get diluted and confused because we start to like be like, oh, well, if I'm Jordan, who's 30 years old, who's a man, like how do I find my truth within this society from a nine to, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, now you're trying to solve a puzzle, but you're already, we're already truth by, and truth is your intention to me. Your intention, if your intention is, I want to love myself fully so I could have the capacity to love other people fully because other people are mere reflections of the essence of who I am, then that's a good starting point. And then truth is just the genuine. I'm not, I'm not do, I'm not saying these words because I want you to like me. I'm not saying these words because I want to be perceived a certain way. I'm not, I'm not fearing what's going to come out of my mouth right now um, because I don't know if what I'm saying is correct or not. As long as what you're saying is a representation of how you're feeling and you're not holding anything back, even if it's different than what someone else is thinking, then that's a good place that someone can start from. Then another person can look at you and be like, I thank you for sharing and I this is how I see and then as long as you're vulnerable and you're you're just there's no mask and there's no fear and there's no worry of uh, perception and judgment because we can be our own worst enemy we could be our our critic but um it, it it is it's it's simple it's that feeling of home that is your your truth and just yeah allowing yourself to tap into that 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 moment you feel you know peaceful and calm and relaxed. And we all know that feeling. And then, well, I love that. Cause I was actually just going to ask that question. Yeah. What is it for all of you when no matter, cause I like what you're saying. There's like a lot of noise that sometimes confuses us from the truth that always resides within us. So what does that feel like when you connect into it? And you just kind of talked about it a little bit, but for other people, what does that feel like? I feel, uh, so there's a Indian teacher, Jay Krishnamurti. He said, truth is a pathless land. No one has a monopoly on it. It's so different for all of us. And what I have experienced in the past you know, few years, my truth is so unique to me that it may not match to anyone and so is your truth. Um, and my truth is that I'm neither inferior or superior or even equal to anyone. I'm just raw and unique and so are you. The moment I start to compare my truth with someone, I've lost my truth right in that moment. I think universe or divine, it's so, it's such a great artist. It has created all of us so unique in all aspects. None of us are equal. We are unique. We all have such interesting and beautiful and raw gifts to offer. And when you start to truly believe and accept in your own blooming and who you are, you start to get closer to your truth. And I think then the responsibility you have is that you got to act on that truth. Because it's not going to fit into any standards, any fixed template. So it's going to feel uncomfortable. But if you embrace that discomfort and start acting on that, you know, intuition and start living your truth, 
that's when you know we all are going to really embrace it i love that um (laughs) i also i feel like my truth i've found my truth usually through meditation it's been a big part of my discovery process because i feel like as i go about my day my mind is very very loud and very very noisy um and filled with other people's thoughts or thoughts from the collective consciousness, um, things that I've read, things that I've heard. And so in meditation, when I'm really able to strip down and get down to, okay, well, what is the voice that's actually coming out inside of me? Um, what What is that, that thing that for me feels like a breath of fresh air? It um, feels like uh, being wrapped in a warm blanket is kind of the way I would describe it when I know that I'm listening to my truth. And then I think um, kind of like you, you led on to it's when I'm sitting in my truth, that's when I feel the breath of fresh air, the peace or that warm blanket. It's then sometimes the things we have to do out in the world um, that then get really uncomfortable when we're honoring it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I want to, uh, to answer your second question, which is like, I think everyone claim that they know the truth. Even if you go to see the news, like everyone thinks that, you know, I tell you like what's happening and the others tell you the fake news in some way or in a way. And it's funny because from where we have our news, you know, some our our information, we believe what we hear in church, mosques, synagogues. We believe what we hear in schools, but not everything that we hear there is true. Uh, Not everything that we learn in school is the right thing, actually. Uh, We need to search by our own. And I think searching is by reading. You need to read. You need to be open-minded and to know the information from your from yourself. Don't rely on others to tell you what's the truth. You need to search it for yourself. Um, for me, I think by searching, I, I love reading also books. I think reading books it will make you a different person. It will make you think always differently. And by reading it, just I was always know that not everything that people tell you is true. Um, What's truth for me? I think truth is searching. You will keep searching for the truth in some way. Um, I don't know how to identify uh, truth, but I like actually what what you say actually about the identification of truth. Um, you, you mentioned Jordan. You mentioned this earlier, and it's just and we're talking a lot about outside perceptions. Let's talk about social media for a second before we wrap up because it is really hard again when there's so much noise and social media is a lot of noise. So do we think? And we'll start with you, Jordan, because I know you probably have a lot to say about this, but. Do we think what, what social media? <laughs> right. But do we think it's a positive or a negative? And how do you remain you within that that noise or that sea? Yeah, I, I think it's a huge positive. Um, just like anything else, there's perceived positives and negatives, but the beauty of we've never been able to give information so directly so immediately before that you know we could be live streaming right now and someone in yemen or someone in a different part of the world could be watching instantaneously and i think what the beautiful thing is it's it's giving people mirror reflections to look into and then that comes that kind of self realization you know and just like anything that you can be spoon fed stuff but that's that's been around for for centuries um so what I love about it is if you've never met someone who's gay or a different ethnicity or perceived different from you, but then you pick up your phone and you see them eating breakfast or sharing their art or laughing with their family, all of a sudden that whole barrier drops and you go, whoa, okay, 
I'm looking at a reflection of myself or it inspiring generations to want to be like, I've never left my backyard before, but look at what Tanzania looks like and look at, and then wanting to go and do that. And I think it's, it's giving people a voice for better, for worse. And I'm going to say for better, because if it can inspire people to be like, I'm, I'm going to say what it feels like to be me right now. I'm going to write it in a tweet. I'm going to take a photo of it. I'm going to make a video of it. I'm going to live stream it, whatever it may be. I'm going to speak my voice. And if four people look at it, if a thousand, if a million look at it, then all we're doing is we're now stripping, we're stripping these barriers down. And um, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And the one negative is it's uh, people are operating from their mind bodies as opposed to their physical bodies as much now because we're replacing you know hugs with likes and looking at someone in the eye and being like you're beautiful i love you with like oh my god girl you look amazing or whatever may <laughs> whatever may be on socials we're starting to uh people are operating in the social space they're like well th yeah that's me on social media but that's not me it's like no 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 they're the same thing who you are in social is a direct extension of who you are not on so just because all of a sudden this thing's there it doesn't mean anything and so the more you're in tune and fully love yourself then your expression on this is going to be a direct uh correlation you're not going to have to think st strategically of like when should i post if, if this is going to get engagement or should <laughs> i say this or whatever because you're just being you're just like i I share a photo when I feel inspired and I post what I I see and uh who I follow on social is someone who if I saw them in the streets I can give them a hug and it's it's they're one and the same and I think um the more we can just again and then not compare ourselves the the point isn't to look at another person's photo and have FOMO I can't believe that's a word that you're like <laughs> I'm going to miss out on being skydiving in Dubai because I'm like a no, just look at it and find the beauty in it. And if it, if it all of a sudden it's making you feel ugly or like you're missing or anger, just realize that just be in tune with yourself and be like, I'm perfect just as I am. But if like looking at these beautiful flowers or these people frolicking somewhere is like that inspires me to want to like do that, then do it for that reason. Cause you want to, you want to show that love in yourself too. But I, I love social media. I love that I have an array of friends that I otherwise wouldn't have known. I love that there's an audience of people that um, can say, I feel like I know who you are because of what you're able to share. And yeah. And if we can continue just to use it with the correct intention of like, I'm just going to, I'm going to be honest. That I'm going to be it. Yeah. yeah. Intention's everything. And I, but I love it. Mohammed. Yeah. I think for me, I think social media is all positive things. Um, Listen, in, in countries like Yemen, for example, if there is no social media, you will only hear the government propaganda. You will not know, be able like, you know, to communicate with other people. Like I was able, the first time I was able to communicate with someone Jew, it was on Facebook. Uh, and I asked him, like, why do you hate us? Uh, and that was simple because there is social media in a lot of ways. Um, through social media, I started being a peace activist and interfaith activist. I was able to communicate with people from Israel, from United States, that I would never thought that I would be in touch with them. That was just by social media. I know for sure that you feel like sometimes annoyed by too many like people posting on social media, or sometimes they're posting things that you don't really agree with that. But that's the beauty of social media. Uh, you know, when I came to United States, 
people ask me, what's the most beautiful thing that you like here about the United States? Is it the buildings, the cars? And I say the freedom of speech, that you can express your feelings and you, you don't afraid that someone will kill you because you express your feelings. And that's the most amazing thing also about social media in some way. Because you can just boast like a picture about something that you really believe on and you know that people will be angry from you, but in the end, that's just in social media. And that's what I like about it. Sanjay's? I find social media to be very neutral platform. You know, we could use it in any any stream. I agree with uh, Mohammed and Jordan. Um, for me also, it re- it has been a very positive experience. I started using uh, Facebook uh, and Twitter uh, only because I wanted to give my writing uh, a voice, a platform. And I was in college then, and I realized I could post blogs here and there, but posting it on Facebook is such a personal and direct way. And even until now, I use uh, all my social media platforms to give voice to my work. My could be poetry, could be spiritual work. What bothers me about social media is when I come across people who are this who are feeling this pressure to always look cool, always look happy and joyful on uh, social media. And I'm in a job where I get to know the the deeper stories about people. I get to know what's running behind the camera. And that's when I get to know that their social media life is all joy, romantic, as if Steven Spielberg is, you know, making a movie on them right now. They are experiencing all the joys of universe. In reality, it gets so dark, so painful. And there was a person who who was going through this domestic abuse and, you know, she reached out to me and I said, I thought you're having a very you know, amazing married life because I see these amazing pictures. And she said, that's the only way I can give myself this, you know, hope that I'm still happy and all. And I clearly thought, you know, something very wrong, some some illness is developing in her mind. Her pictures are saying something else. She's going through a very traumatic situation in life. And she's posting these three pictures every day using all the amazing hashtags. So that bothers me. I really hope people don't feel the pressure to be happy because of social media and simply use it mindfully and just share what you want, you know, to use it for. Don't share the stuff on it because that's what everyone around, you know, is, uh, you know, is doing it and just choose the right content, the mindful content to share on it because it's really affecting our mind, our perception of happiness and relationships. Yes, I agree. I think it's all about the relationship you have with it and how you use it. So, you know, setting those own boundaries for yourself, noticing that, hey, maybe I have a bunch of, I know a lot of people that have a ton of followers on social media, but feel extraordinarily lonely in their real life. Um, And so it's like, okay, well, this is great, but let me put myself out there and go to a meetup event or go make friends in real life and having that healthy relationship. And then also you can use it as, you know, I, I kind of think sometimes it expedites potentially our uh, self-growth process, whereas perhaps, you know, before social media, you'd have to maybe meet someone that like had a fancy car, or had like a nice dress or something like that. And maybe that would trigger you with envy or trigger you to think that you weren't good enough. And then that would now be a platform for you to investigate something on and be like, oh, why do when I see that, why do I feel envious or why do I feel not enough. Um, And now it's kind of like expedited. You could go through a hundred photos in a night by yourself in your bed and feel like a bajillion feelings about different things. Um, And you can really utilize that. Like I like to 
uh, tell my people you can flex your muscles on it, you know, and you can notice and be like, oh, wow, like, why do I feel I see this? And, and you have to check in with yourself and, you know, be like, oh, I see her and she looks like she has it all together and she's doing X, Y, and Z. And okay, what is stirring up inside of me? because of that and why is it evoking that reaction and you can use it as a great tool to kind of just just temperature check yourself I suppose and also to get in touch with okay what do I really want you know and I think a lot of times you can see that there's a lot of things on social media that people are presenting that whether or not it's their true life or not is you know whatever but if it's evoking a reaction in you then that's something that you can investigate and be like is this showing me wow am i inspired because she traveled to india and had this awesome trip and maybe that's evoking this desire in me to travel more and that's an urge that i want to now fulfill or am i feeling jealous or inadequate when in reality when i check in with myself when I get quiet and listen to my truth, I don't feel like this is a season of traveling for me. So I think you can utilize it for your own growth too. I love that because it's basically saying we can't control, you are going to feel some things whether it's right, right. So it's like, why not take that opportunity to actually start growing? Okay, so let's do some for you's. I'm just going to ask one question and you guys can all go down. And I'm just going to make it really general, which is, and you know, the for you's are four quick takeaways for the audience. It does not have to be long. If you can give one piece of life advice and how people can actually listen to themselves and get in the flow, what would it be? I would say uh, don't try too hard to figure the purpose of life. Life in itself is a purpose. And embrace the uncertainty of life. Embrace the unknown in life. And don't chase the known. Don't struggle too hard to find the known. Just enjoy and bloom in uh, uncertainty. That's all. I would say find some quiet time every day where you can be with yourself and your breath and to just listen to your body, to tune into your body as you're navigating different things and seeing what feels expansive and what what makes you want to contract and to honor that. Yeah. Um, of all the people in the world that the individual you speak to the most is yourself. So notice the dialogue you're having within, within your own mind, how you talk about yourself, how you, how you're perceiving things and writing is an awesome tool for that. Maybe the first thing you do when you wake up is write, And the last thing you do before you go to sleep is write, as opposed to like diving into social universe on your phone. And yeah. And then that's the last thing that you're left lingering with. Um, yeah, write and find that's how you can like find that base frequency of like, I'm releasing all of this and oh, okay. And then you can like, you start to notice because we, we're, we're, we're creatures of pattern. So oftentimes what we're thinking and feeling are just old programs coming up. Like this is how I used to react to things. This is how I'm used to perceiving things. And um, you get to notice the, the story you're telling yourself because this life is just one big story. And the more you can learn how to yeah, see the beauty and everything, then that's that's where you're going to be. Yeah, I mean, don't be ashamed that you are different. Uh, be always proud of who you are. And if when you have a hard time in your life, try to find how you can like have it in your side, not against you. Um, you know, sometimes you find really hard time in your life, but you never know that, you know, maybe this hard time, you can have really a good benefit from it. It's amazing. Oh my God, you guys, thank you so much. Um, 
You guys are all incredible. We're going to do a Q&A after we do our personal practice. And Chandra is going to lead us in a five to 10 minute meditation, which is a who am I meditation, which cannot be more appropriate for today's conversation. So get your questions ready, but forget them all right now while you meditate. <laughs> all right. So let's start. So all of you may close your eyes, relax your body, just breathe in, breathe out. And bring yourself to this moment. As we begin this experience, let's take a moment to honor the strength of our awareness. And now, gently pay attention to the sound of silence in this room. Pay attention to the sound of breathing. The sound of my voice. And any other sounds that only you might be hearing right now. Don't feel the need to analyze these sounds. Just listen to them as they come and go. And now, gently look within, shift within, and connect to your awareness, connect to that inner silence who's witnessing all these sounds. This awareness is healing, intuitive, ever-evolving, always guiding us. Allow this awareness to witness your body sitting here, to witness your breathing, to witness your thoughts.
and gently bring this awareness on your heart center the center of love joy bless Keeping your awareness on the heart. Gently breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe out. Now effortlessly allow your breathing to happen. Just effortlessly breathe in, breathe out. And stay here in this moment. As you breathe in and breathe out, don't judge your heart. Don't feel the need to fix anything there. Don't feel the need to repair anything there. And gently, mindfully, open your awareness, your heart, your breathing to the question, Who am I? Who am I? Don't feel the need to find a perfect answer. Just allow yourself to witness every label every story, every answer that's showing up. Simply witness. Who am I? When you feel ready and comfortable, gently let go of who am I and allow yourself to effortlessly breathe in and breathe out.
simply be here as an awareness not as the roles you play not as your identity just as an awareness the next few moments will be just silence as we conclude this meditation let's take a moment to be grateful for the compassion strength and awareness that we all shared in this experience today and acknowledge your heart for a moment acknowledge your strength for a moment and whenever you feel ready may you open your eyes Ten Talks is produced by Mike Burns, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edan, and music is by Alex Fetter. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Ten Talks Podcast, and join us there.